This week, as uh, Aislinn was preparing for worship, I was, I was walking down the hallway and I, I heard her playing and I came to a realization. And that is that if I was rich, I would do two things. Number one, I would pay to have a haircut every week. And then the second thing is I would pay to have a piano player playing in my house all day long. Uh, because I love piano music. There's nothing like hearing piano in harmony. Uh, there's nothing better. Aislin, you want to play what you were playing earlier this week? I mean, come on. Isn't that just beautiful? When, when it's being played in harmony, there's, there's nothing better. But then Aislinn did this. And then it wasn't so pretty. <laughs> it's great when it's in harmony, but when there's just one note off, it changes everything. And it just sounds off. That dissonance is just enough to make it not beautiful. And then I started thinking about this. Isn't that how life is? Our life is in harmony, everything is playing beautifully, and when, when everything is in its right pitch, when everything is just right, it's beautiful, it's peaceful, it's great, but as soon as one note is off, all of a sudden there's dissonance, and it's not as beautiful. No matter who we are, we all have that one or two notes in our life that get off. And maybe they're off today. What is it for you? Where do you look and say, if I could just have that one note in my life back into pitch, there'd be harmony again. Where is there chaos that if it just got figured out, it would be harmonious and sound great and beautiful and your life would be at peace? If you would ask a, a Jewish person living in the first century, the answer was easy. In fact, it was the same answer that the, the Jewish people were giving from 500 B.C. on. The, the dissonance in their life was the fact that they had no king and no nation ruling. Uh, 580 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar with the Babylonians came over from the east, took over the kingdom of Judah, and there was no longer really a king on the throne. They were waiting and waiting for their king to come to set up their kingdom once again to bring it back to how it was during King David and King Solomon's time around 1000 B.C. If that one thing could just be figured out, their dissonance would be gone, and they'd have harmony, and they'd have peace. This is what they were waiting for. And that's why they were so excited on Palm Sunday. In fact, it's why you should be so excited about Palm Sunday, because Jesus came to bring peace and harmony to your life. That's what we see in Luke chapter 19. The Bible is a, a book of 66 books, uh, and four of those books deal with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the biographies of Jesus. We call them the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're in Luke. Uh, it's Palm Sunday, the morning of, and here's what we're told. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to, up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, 
he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. And he went along, people, and as he went along, people spread their coats, cloaks on the road. There are a couple amazing things about this opening introduction, and that is, one, we see the omniscience of Jesus, the all-knowledge of Jesus. Jesus says, hey, we're approaching the, uh, this town. Disciples, go in. You're going to find a colt tied there. Untie it, bring it to me, and if the owner asks why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. And it happened just as he said. The Lord knows all. And that's what we see here. But maybe just as impressive is the two disciples just go. They don't ask any more questions. Look at the details given. You're going to find a, a cult tied there, untied and bring it to me. If it was me, I'd be saying, yeah, Jesus, could you tell me what road? Uh, is, it, is it down Main Street? Straight Street? What, what road are we talking here? And what does this donkey look like? I'm sure there's a bunch of them tied up there. Which one? But they don't. They just go. Why? For three years, the disciples had been trusting, learning to trust Jesus. Jesus doesn't just send them on wild goose chases. Jesus doesn't just ask them to do something without providing them the means to do it. Jesus doesn't just ask them to do something without a good reason for it. And so when Jesus says, go in, you're going to find a donkey, they had the peace knowing Jesus knows what he's talking about. He's going to make it obvious to me. He's going to work this all out for my good. He's going to take care of it. Do you ever wonder if Jesus knows what's going on in your life when he asks you to do something or not do something? The answer is you can trust Jesus because Jesus knows all. Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus knows what's going to happen. And so when he says, don't do something, we can do it trusting that he knows what's best and that he's going to provide us with what we do need. When Jesus says, do something, we can trust him knowing that he's going to provide us the answers even if we can't see it clearly right now. Jesus knows all. We can have the peace to trust him and carry out his will knowing he's going to provide exactly what we need. And that's what the disciples did. They went in, they found the colt, started untying it, and sure enough, the owner says, why are you untying it? The Lord needs it. We'll take it. And they put their cloaks on the donkey, on the colt, and they put Jesus on it. And he starts riding into Jerusalem. And people start, start putting their cloaks on the ground. Why? Because there are two things in Scripture that are ringing in their ears. First, 960 B.C. King David, on his throne, on his deathbed, has his son Solomon anointed as king. And Solomon rides up into Jerusalem, how? On a mule, on a colt. As the new king 
taking over after David, he rides up to Jerusalem on a cult as the king. The second thing that was ringing in their ears was Zechariah. Zechariah was a prophet around 500 B.C., and he wrote in his prophecy, you, uh, Rejoice, daughter of Zion. Rejoice, daughter of Jerusalem. Look, your king comes to you victorious and righteous, lowly and riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. These were sections of Scripture that the Jewish people had imprinted in their mind, and as Jesus mounts this donkey to ride up into Jerusalem, it's screaming in their, in their heads and in their ears. Our king is coming. Our king to bring peace. Our king coming with righteousness and victorious. He's coming to bring triumph. He's coming to bring peace. This is him. He's riding up. And as they're going forward, as, as Jesus moves to Jerusalem, they not only put their cloaks on the ground, but the other scripture writers say that they cut palm branches down and they lay it out in front of Jesus and they're waving it in the air. Why? Because in that time, the palm branch symbolized victory, triumph, and peace. Their king was coming to bring harmony to their life. Their king was coming to remove the dissonance from their lives. He was coming to bring peace. And as they approach Jerusalem, that's when the city really starts to rock. Here's what we're told. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. You recognize those words? Peace in heaven and glory in the highest? When else was that saying in the Gospel of Luke? At the birth of our Savior. The angels out in the, out in the uh, fields with the shepherds, they sang what? Glory to God in the highest and, on, uh, and, on, and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Almost word for word what the angels sang. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. Everyone is shouting. Everyone is excited. And Jesus' opponents, the Pharisees, the ones who were morally superior and way more judgmental than everyone else, says, Jesus, rebuke your disciples. He says, even if they be quiet, the stones are going to cry out. Jerusalem was rocking as everyone came out and just singing to Jesus. Can you imagine the excitement and the joy? Maybe you can. Maybe you're thinking about that, that part of your life that's off pitch, that's causing you dissonance, and how great it would be, how excited would you be if Jesus came and took it away. Maybe you're wondering how your bills are going to be paid or your debt paid off. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus came and took it away? Imagine the joy and excitement that you would feel. Maybe it's fires at work. There's, there are just all these work fires all around you all the time. And wouldn't it just be great if Jesus came in and just at a snap of a finger took them all away? Maybe it's relationship issues. Something's happening in your relationship where you're butting heads, there's friction, there's not harmony. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus just came in and brought peace and harmony to your relationships? 
Maybe it's health issues. You or your loved one. And what would bring you peace and remove the dissonance is removing that illness. And imagine the joy and excitement you would have if Jesus was coming in to bring that. That's the joy and excitement that these people had. Jesus, the King of Peace, was coming to bring peace, glory to God in the highest. Now if you can imagine, what do you think Jesus' face looked like through all this? I always imagine Jesus riding in kind of like a president where he's got a big smile on his face or a king, uh, you know, over in Europe where he's, he's waving to the people, maybe shaking hands as he's passing by, big smile on his face. Listen, everybody. Listen to the praise. But look at how Jesus responded. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Jesus gets to Jerusalem And he doesn't have a big smile on his face. He's not rejoicing. He's not happy. He's weeping. Why? And he was weeping and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Uh Uh-oh. Why is Jesus crying? because they don't know what actually would bring them peace and harmony in their life. What do they think is going to bring them peace and harmony? The king is coming to kick out the Romans. The king is coming to set up an earthly kingdom. Our kingdom is back. The Israelites are back. And Jesus says, if you only knew what would bring you peace, you have misdiagnosed the dissonance in your life, and because you have you're going to reject the solution. And so I ask you again, where's the dissonance in your life? What's causing it? What do you wish that Jesus would remove from your life and, or, or, or bring back into pitch so that you'd have harmony? If you said things like bills, health, relationship issues, anything about your circumstances You have misdiagnosed the dissonance in your life. And Jesus is weeping, saying, if you only knew what would bring you peace, if you only knew what would bring you harmony, what is the dissonance in our life? It's not our circumstances. The dissonance is really caused because of sin. Our relationship with God has been broken and we have caused it and now there's friction, there's dissonance. We are off pitch with God. We're not in tune with God. That is the cause of our lack of peace and harmony in our life. And Jesus came to fix that. Why is this important? Because if we don't recognize what is truly the cause of our dissonance and our lack of peace and our lack of harmony in our life, Just like the Jewish people, we are going to dismiss the solution to our problems. We will dismiss Jesus. And so let's understand, and it's your first point today, Jesus came to bring harmony between us and God. Jesus came to bring harmony between us and God. 
And that's exactly what he did. When he rode into Jerusalem that very first Palm Sunday, he was riding in victoriously, triumphantly. He was riding in to bring peace. But it wasn't with an earthly kingdom. He was riding in to bring peace and harmony with God. He came to fulfill what the angel said 33 years before. Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. And now here it was. He was going to be victorious. He was going to triumph. He was going to bring peace. And it would happen five days and a week later. Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday to all these cheers, being cheered and praised, and five days from then, it would change to mocking, to ridiculing, to jeers. He rode in as a king, ready to be crowned, and five days later, he was crowned, but with a crown of thorns. Jesus rode in with a perfect, harmonious record between him and God, and five days later, he exchanged that perfect record with our record filled with this discord and dissonance with God, and he took ours and gave us his. Jesus rode in like a perfect king, and five days later, he was crucified like a common criminal. Why? For the joy set before him. He endured the cross. What was that joy? Having a peaceful, harmonious relationship with you. To remove the guilt of your sin, to remove the shame that you feel over your mistakes. He's removed it all. And there is nothing between you and God anymore. When he died, he removed the dissonance from your life. He brought you in tune with your Father, and now you have harmony with God. There's nothing in the way. Not even death. This is what truly brings you peace in this life. This is what brings you harmony here Sin is the cause of the dissonance in your life, and Jesus is the solution, and that's exactly what he accomplished as he rode in on Palm Sunday. He conquered the grave. He was victorious over your sin, and he was victorious, triumphant over the grave. He's done this all for you so that you have harmony. But wait a minute. Won't I have peace in, in this life if my problems just all went away. If my bills were paid, my health was good. Sure. Uh, but do you remember just a few weeks ago during Snowmageddon that we had? Uh, those rolling blackouts? It's kind of like that. When, when we have electricity, it was great. We were at peace. There was no anxiety. I don't have to worry about all my food spoiling in the fridge. It was great. But as soon as that rolling blackout hit, you're sitting there with all this anxiety. When is it going to come back on? What's going to happen? I don't know. Oh, here it is. It's back on. This is great. And we enjoy this for a little bit, and it's peace, and it's calm. And then it goes out again, and I'm back to worrying and wondering. When we look for peace and harmony in our circumstances... It's going to continually be a rolling blackout. Peace and harmony comes only from knowing that you have peace and harmony with God. And so that's your last point today. Harmony in heaven 
brings peace on earth. Knowing that there is nothing between you and your relationship with God. Knowing that you are forgiven, that you are guilt-free before your Father in heaven, that you are walking with God. And nothing is in the middle. It brings you harmony and peace here. Because then as those rolling blackouts come, I know that my Father hasn't left me. As those rolling blackouts come, I know he's going to give me the strength. As the rolling blackouts come, I know that he's going to give me peace. He's going to uh, provide for everything I need. He's going to give me strength. He's going to give me wisdom. He's going to give me everything I need because my King Jesus is on his throne. He's brought peace to my relationship with the God of this world. I can live in this world with peace and with harmony even when my circumstances scream otherwise. Even when my circumstances aren't harmonious, I still have peace and harmony because I have it in heaven with my God who sits on his throne, who is the King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the King of peace. And that's what he's brought to our life. As we walk with our Savior this week, this holy week, as we get ready for Good Friday and Easter Sunday, let our hearts be at peace knowing that our Savior went into Jerusalem willingly, joyfully, to bring you and me peace with God, and that's exactly what we have. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you willingly rode into Jerusalem that Sunday knowing full well what would happen, that you would be rejected, that you would be crucified, and that you would die. But then on the third day on Easter, you would rise from the dead, bringing victory, triumph, and bringing peace to our lives, not just here on earth, but more importantly forever in heaven as we have peace with God. We are in harmony with him, and we walk hand in hand with you, knowing that no matter what happens in this life, you are with us. You will not leave us nor forsake us. You are with us. Thank you for bringing us peace in heaven. Let that peace calm our hearts no matter what is going on, knowing that even death has been conquered by you. We ask you to be with us today. Continue to bless us as we prepare for Holy Week. Uh, Get our hearts ready as we prepare for your death and resurrection and the joy that that brings. Amen.